Well, I don't know if we should close in prayer. <laughs> After all that applause and I can see my breath. So, well, I, I'm glad you're clapping and I agree because I love that line right there at the end. He's the same God. It's just a new year and we, we need to believe that. And so just a couple of verses to kind of orient us. Hebrews 13.8, it was on the screen, that reference. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And 2021, three days in, might be unknown to us, right? But it's not unknown to God. He is the same. Let me read from Isaiah chapter 46, verses 8 to 11. The prophet Isaiah recorded these words so many years ago. He said, remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country, I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. So God is God and there's none like him. His purposes will stand in this new year. And they did in 2020, even though it was hard for us. And I know we know this, but let me just state it. Like the the change three days ago doesn't mean all the hard things go away. (laughs) We know that. So like whatever is coming this year that we don't know, God remains the same yesterday, today, forever. 2,000 years ago, last year, he was faithful. He will be forever. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. And church, our hope must be in that, not in a new year. Our hope is not in 2021. Our hope is in... God, who knows the end from the beginning, who again is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So here's my question for just a few minutes this afternoon. As we, three days now into the new year, do you know him, this one who's the same yesterday, today, and forever? Do you know him? In other words, um, are you a Christian? To know him is to be a Christian, is to be a believer, is to be a follower of Jesus, this is how Jesus put it in John 17, 3. This is eternal life, that they know you, Jesus was praying, that they may know you, Father, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Do you know him? Do you have eternal life? Are you saved? Are you a Christian? Those are all synonyms. I, I presume most here today do, but I don't presume everyone necessarily does. If you don't, if you are unsure We need to get together. We need to talk. We can talk afterwards. If you have questions, if you aren't sure about that, if you thought you were, but you've had doubts, I love to go on a walk or sit down and talk and and help you if you aren't sure. For most, though, I'm guessing you would say, yeah, I do know him. I do know him. So if you do, which I think is most, will you continue? That's the key word tonight, continue to grow in that relationship, 
Being a Christian is a lot of things. It's about being forgiven of our sins. It's about being saved from God's wrath, which is coming one day. It's about having new life, eternal life. But it's about a relationship. We, we get to have a restored relationship with this God through what Jesus has done. And we all know how relationships go. So I want you to think just for a second. Think of a friend you have. Maybe, maybe it's a significant other. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's just a family member. Relationships grow by time together, by, by communication back and forth, right? That, that's what happens. I had someone say to me recently, it doesn't seem like you want to spend time with me. And that was hard to hear from this person because like they're a close person in my life. And for them to be honest, that, that, that caused me to stop and, and to ponder that. Now, I don't think God like is acting that way, but, but here's the thing. If, if we know him, if he's the same yesterday, today, forever, if we have that relationship with him, he does want time with us. Will you continue to grow in your relationship with him? And here's the thing. The main way, the primary way is through this book. It's through this book, the scriptures. Um, if you've been around Soma for a while, you know my, my favorite description of God's word of the Bible, of the scriptures, is God's self-revelation. Over years and over 20-some authors and two testaments, this book, Genesis to Revelation, is God's self-revelation. If you want to know God, yes, you can go off for a hike and, and see the heavens and God's creation declaring his glory, but you won't know him specifically until you get into this book, until you get to hear what he has to say. And, and there's a lot to it, of course, but it's the scriptures, it's the scriptures. So this is the annual encourage you, spur you on to spend time in the Bible sermon, okay? So just three days into this new year, because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, because he knows the end from the beginning, and we're excited about those realities that his counsel will stand, I want to call us, and church, I'm first in line, I want to call us to continue in the scriptures, to continue in the scriptures. If you have a Bible, I invite you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I would hope and ask that you would continue to bring your Bible. Even if you use a device, that's great. So swipe or turn if you have a paper Bible. 2 Timothy 3, 14 to 17. Many of you will know this. You'll recognize this text. But follow along as I read. 2 Timothy, toward the end of your New Testament, chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. This is the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, and he says, as he gets toward the end of this letter, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is the word of the Lord. 
Let's pray one more time. So Heavenly Father, it's in Jesus' name that I come and we come. And as I speak this afternoon, this evening, Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Would you give us all ears to hear? Would you make our heart soil be good soil, ready to receive your word tonight and this week and this year? I pray in Jesus' name, amen. The Apostle Paul is writing 2 Timothy. This is his second letter to Timothy. Timothy accompanied Paul on many of his trips, planting churches and, and, and visiting churches. And, and Paul at this point is near the end of his life. He knows that his, his time is up. He's been in prison. He's awaiting execution. And as he draws this final letter to a close, as he writes to Timothy, he has a lot to say to Timothy about the scriptures. In fact, chapter 4 uh, is every pastor's kind of favorite go-to passage. Chapter 4, verse 2, the preach the word section. But just before that, before that, what I read for us tonight, he calls Timothy to continue. That word, uh, the fifth word in my translation in verse 14, that's the verb. That's the command. Timothy, continue continue in the scriptures. And I believe by application, God is calling us to continue in the scriptures. God, through Paul, called Timothy to continue. But we, as we hear this today, as we receive this, as we apply it, it's a call to us to continue in the scriptures. So we're going to just look at verses 14 to 17. Again, we're familiar with these, most of us. Verse 14, Paul says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Now, that word continue, as I said already, it's a command, and it means, well, to continue, to remain. Timothy was blessed to have a grandmother and, and a mother. Chapter 1, verse 5 talks about them who both modeled and obviously taught him the scriptures. And so Paul says, Continue in that, what you learned, what, what, what you've had since your childhood. He's going to mention that in a minute. And, and he, he was blessed. And some of you, you also have that family heritage. You've had parents and grandparents model and teach you the scriptures. And that's a wonderful thing, but it's not a necessary thing. So, some of you haven't had that. You didn't have that, that rich heritage. You, you maybe came to faith later in life or even recently but that's okay. You have this family. Continue. Whether you had a legacy going back or, or, or if it's new, if it's adult, continue wherever you find yourself. Continue in what you have learned and have been firmly, and what you have firmly believed. Continue. Look at verse 15. He says, again to Timothy, how from childhood, Timothy, you... You've been acquainted with the sacred writings, another way of saying the scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Again, Timothy had the privilege of, from childhood, having, having this acquaintance with these sacred writings. He not only learned them and believed them, verse 14, but they made him wise for salvation. What is that about? Well, you see, it's God's word, the scriptures 
that save us. God, God uses, I mean, God saves us, but he uses the scriptures. In 1 Timothy, the first letter Paul wrote to Timothy, he said in chapter 2, verse 4, that God desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. To, to get saved is to come to a knowledge of the truth. They go together. And then James and Peter, they would both speak of how it's God's word that God uses. So James 1.18, of his own will, God's own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. He brought us forth. It's speaking of being saved, hearing the good news, the gospel, what Jesus did, that is what, what God used to bring us forth by the word of truth. Or 1 Peter 1.23, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. It's the word of God. God uses it. And it'd be fun if we could sometime hear all of our stories. Who did you hear the word from that caused you at some point to respond to it? Maybe it was a Sunday school teacher. Maybe it was a grandmother or a mother or some friend, something on television. One of my favorite memories when I was a youth pastor many years ago in Ventura County, one of the uh, volunteers on our youth team, he came to faith late at night by watching Charles Stanley on TV. I mean, I about fell over. Not a, nothing about bad about Charles Stanley. Charles Stanley's great, but like that, I was just blown away. Like I'd never met someone who like it happened, but it just shows. Yes, like God works, and, and He will call people to Himself in whatever way He wants, and that includes television uh, and, and having faithful preachers on television. But it's the Word. Charles Stanley was giving the Word, and all of us, if we are Christians. We have been born again by this imperishable word. It's, it's the scriptures. So Timothy came to saving faith through the word that he was taught by his grandmother, by his, his mother. And, and so Paul says, these, these sacred writings are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. See, we're not saved by who we are. We're not saved by who our family members are or who they are not. We're not saved because of any good works. Greg read for us at the beginning from Ephesians 2. By grace, we have been saved. It's God's gift. He uses the scriptures, the, the gospel. God saves us through his word, the good news. That, that good news about Jesus coming, right? Christmas, what we all just finished celebrating. He gave us, he gave his life for us. He came, was born so that he would ultimately go to a cross to pay for our sin. So Timothy is to continue in these scriptures that saved him and that he learned and that he believed. And church, we are to continue in these same scriptures that have saved us, that we have learned, that we have believed. Now look at verses 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. We're going to spend the rest of our time right here in these two verses. And these are two huge and important verses. And we're going to see a real simple outline. Uh, well, one commentator, uh, how, how this commentator put it, like this. We see what Scripture is. We see what Scripture does, and we see what Scripture produces. Right there in two verses, what Scripture is, what Scripture does, 
and what Scripture produces. Okay, so let's just quickly look at these. What Scripture is. The opening words of verse 16, we could call it verse 16a. In, in the Greek, it's just three words. All Scripture, and then this one word in Greek, God breathed. All Scripture, God breathed. Okay, some of us maybe have Bibles that say all Scripture is inspired by God. That's the idea, try to help us understand God breathed. Okay, uh, I remember a few years ago talking about this passage and I mentioned it's not the same as how many times we think of inspired, like, you know, when you watch Stephen Curry play basketball and he's inspiring, okay? That, that's inspiring in one form, but that's not what this is. This, this is God breathed. In other words, all scripture from Genesis to Revelation, it came from the mind of God and he, he moved real human writers along based on their context in the world, their experiences to write. But, but he moved them. He breathed out his thoughts and, and they wrote. They weren't robots, they weren't puppets, but they wrote under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. All scripture, God breathed. Here's the thing. This isn't just the Apostle Paul, though. He, he, it's not just his idea. Think about what Jesus said. Some of you know this. When he was tempted by Satan in the wilderness, Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus' first response to Satan is, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Satan had tempted Jesus to turn stone into bread. Jesus had been fasting for 40 days, and he was hungry, he was thirsty, and the tempter comes along and tempts Jesus to do this miracle and, and Jesus says, no. In fact, Deuteronomy 8.3, Moses said, man shall not live by bread alone. We, humanity, shall not live by food alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So now Paul, all scripture, God breathed. I think Paul is just restating Jesus. Humanity is not to live on bread alone, but by every word it comes from the mouth of God, and Jesus was himself quoting Moses. Like from Moses to the Apostle Paul, God speaks, God's word, it's from him. Paul's quoting Jesus, Jesus is quoting Moses. The scriptures, the Bible, church, it's from God. He is first and foremost the author, which again is why I love to say that this is God's self-revelation. Of course, that comes under attack. It has forever and there's always new, slightly new, I guess we might say, forms of the attack to undermine it, but, but over and over again. And, and again, if this is something that you've got questions about, we, we can talk about that another time. This book is proven true. This book is proven true to be God's word, living and active as the writer to the Hebrews puts it, sharper than a two-edged sword. It does stuff that nothing else can do. I've been trying to help my kids hear that idea too, that, that this book isn't just, you know, like reading Harry Potter or like reading Lemony Snicket or like reading, you know, whatever book, you know, they read and we read as a family, Dr. Seuss, you know, all that stuff. Like there's a place for all those books that you can just open and read and shut. 
this is God's word, and, and therefore it's to be approached slightly differently. We'll get there in a moment. So that's what scripture is. It is God breathed. It is from God. Now let's see what scripture does, number two. What scripture does, verse 16, the B portion of it. So all scripture is breathed out by God. And now what does it do? Paul says it's profitable. And then he gives four ways. All scripture is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So God's self-revelation is profitable. It's useful, right? If something's profitable, it's beneficial, it's useful. Well, really quickly, how? First is positive. He says it's to teach us. All Scripture, that's God-breathed, it's from God, it's profitable, it's beneficial. Positively, number one, he says to teach who God is, what he has done, what he calls us to, what life looks like and how life works best. Positively, this book teaches us things that we ought to know. How many of you remember, raise your hands, when you learned to drive and you had to study that DMV book? Okay, right? Uh, right. Come on, there should be a few more hands. Okay, you, you need to warm up anyway, so raise them. Okay, that book was profitable in passing the test. Even if it took you a few times, at some point, you know, you had to know enough to, to pass. Well, this book too is positively uh, beneficial, profitable to teach us. But then he says negatively, it's, it's profitable for reproof. That is, what not to believe. There's things we're to believe, but there's things we ought not to believe. And God's word can help us know what, what we shouldn't. I also like to think of it as to reprove us means that God's word tells us where we're out of line or where we've veered off. Like, you know, the, the, the Christian life is a, is a picture as a race. The Apostle Paul uses that idea quite a bit, this marathon race, right? You can't just take off anywhere you want. There's, there's a, a path, a course. So the scriptures negatively do tell us where we're out of line. And then the third profitable use of it is it, it corrects. Because the scripture doesn't just say, oh, you are off over here. Don't believe this. It corrects us. It helps us get back on course, Okay. It, it corrects us. How do we get back in line with, with what it's trying to tell us about how life works best, about, again, who God is, what he's done? It's, it's not just rules. Again, those of us that know the Jesus Storybook Bible, we, we know that, right? This isn't mainly a book of rules, right? No, it's not. It has rules. It has things, how life works best and how to correct. It's mainly about God. It's mainly his story, all of that. And that kind of leads to the fourth profitable nature of the Bible, the way it's useful. He says, it's to train a person in righteousness. That is, how to live a way that honors and glorifies God. To, to be trained in righteousness is to be trained in to living a life pleasing to God. Which again, if we're Christians, if we're followers, that's what we want. Ultimately, that's what we want. So the scripture is from God. It's God-breathed. It's, it's profitable in these four ways. And now finally, verse 17, it produces something. Let's take a look at this. Verse 17. That the, in my Bible, the ESV says that the man of God. Let me just address that for a second. Um, 
your, your, if you have an ESV Bible like mine, there's a great little footnote, and I just want to read this. It says there in verse 17 that the man of God, and then a little footnote number two takes me down to the very, very bottom, the really small font. That is, a messenger of God, the phrase echoes a common Old Testament expression. So Paul's writing to Timothy, who is a man, okay, who's, who's got a specific role uh, overseeing churches and pastors. And so Paul picks up on Timothy being a man and this phrase from the Old Testament, these messengers or servants of God, kind of a technical term, and says, hey, the scriptures are God-breathed, they're from him, they're profitable, Timothy, in your life in these ways I've just told you. And, and they produce a complete man, I'll get to that in a second, a complete person, but he says, the man of God. Okay, you, Timothy, you're the, the man for your context. But for us, right, navigating 2,000 years of time and being in our day today, it's not meant to exclude the women. It's, it's so that the person of God, we all ought to be the person of God, a servant of God, useful for what God has, okay? So it produces a complete person of God, a complete servant of God, who then is equipped for every good work. Denny Burke, a commentator, he writes this. Scripture enables any person of God, man or woman, any, any Christian who says, I'm yours, God. I, I'm ready for what you've called me to in my family, in my neighborhood, in my job, in my school. I, I'm yours. Scripture enables any person of God to be complete. That means capable, proficient, able to meet all demands. The Bible enables all believers to be capable of meeting whatever demand God places on them by making them equipped for every good work. And the scriptures again state that God saves us by grace, not by our works, but we're saved by grace for good works. Ephesians 2.10, the scriptures complete so we can be equipped and ready for whatever God has. The scriptures, God-breathed, profitable, and they complete what we need to do and live the life that God has called us to live. So church, will we, individually that make up the we, will we continue in the scriptures in 2021? That's the question to chew on. I actually was thinking, will we as a church that's made up of individual members, but we're right united in one body, one soma. Will we continue in the scriptures? And that's my intent. If you ever feel like we're not, come knock on my door right away and send an email and like, hey, we have a problem, Paul, right? We have to be about this book. You're going to hear more about this next week. Uh, We're going to do a message on the church, even as we sang the song tonight about being a bride ready. We want to, in the new year, Remember that, that the church, that's us, right, is one local body, one local expression. Like Jesus is in charge. He's the head. He gets to call the shots. And we want to be aligned in that way. Again, what, what he says. But, but as individuals, will we, will each of us, continue in the scriptures? You might remember some of you, we did a seminar many years ago now called Clarifying the Bible, 
Mitch, the uh, presenter, he, he used a hand. And so if you have a hand, you could pull one of them out. And we have five digits. We don't have five fingers, right? Because we know the thumb's not a finger, okay? But, but five digits here, okay? Well, the scriptures, there's, there's six, if we think of our palm here in a second, is the sixth marker, six ways we can get a grip, okay, on the Bible, or to my word for tonight, to Paul's word, to God's word, that we can continue in the scriptures. Number one, we can hear the scriptures, Maybe that's something for you in this new year. Maybe you need to get your, your smartphone, your smart device, or your computer, or CDs. Remember those round things that some of us can still put into devices, right? Maybe we need to hear the word on our own. Maybe it's, it's on your walk, on, on your bike ride, on your commute. Hearing the word is one thing we can do. Number, a second thing we, we can read it, and that, that seems maybe obvious, but, but we can read the scriptures. Um, I hope some of you took one of these tonight. I think Katie was handing them out as you arrived. Um, I've been working on this reading plan for several years now. It's called the five-day reading plan, um, and what she had available, and we'll have some more. Maybe we'll put them up here on the platform when we're done, if you missed it. Um, this is a plan that if you, if you do it, it, it can take you through the whole Bible uh, once through the Old Testament, twice through the New Testament, and, and the Psalms as well. All in five days a week, so you get a couple of makeup days if you need them, or rest days, or, or whatever. Um, it tries to be chronological in the Old Testament, so you know if you're reading in some of the history, and, and David is on the scene, and he's fleeing from one of his sons that wants to kill him, which happens, well, when, when David then penned a psalm about that, it it puts that reading there. So it tries to connect chronologically what's going on in the Old Testament. Um, This is something you could do. If that's too much, you can just read. If you open it up in the middle, you'll see the italicized parts. That would take you through the New Testament uh, through the year and just at a nice slow pace. It's about four to five chapters in one reading. took me this morning about 20 minutes. And I don't read quickly. It's doable. Five days. And again, you've got some makeup days. But maybe that's what you need to do. You need to read through the scriptures. That's different than number three, studying. Studying has a place too. Different from reading. For reading, you're kind of wanting to just, you know, maybe kind of skim, whether it's the whole Bible or, or just the New Testament or the Psalms. But to study means you're digging. You maybe have a teacher, so maybe ladies, maybe this is the year to join women's Bible study, or, or men, maybe it's time to participate with one of the men's studies that uh, will be, you'll be hearing more about, or some of the other Bible studies in our area, or, you know, go to some of the great ministries online, Ligonier, and study God's Word, buy some more books, and dig deep, and, and understand words, and paragraphs, and historical settings, and Maybe this is your year to study. So we can hear, we can read, we can study. And then there's memorizing. Memorizing. That's important too, to to have it at your disposal when you need it. Just this morning, I, in my reading, day one for me today, which by the way, if you're thinking, Paul, it's January 3rd and you want me to start a reading plan, I'm already behind. Well, you're not because on this one, 
week one begins today. How great is that? And so, like, so I'm thinking for me, I'm going Sunday through Thursday, Friday, Saturday are my days off or catch-up days. So just this morning, I read Genesis 1 and 2 and Psalm 19 and Mark 1. And the end of Psalm 19, David says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, Lord, my rock, my redeemer. And I, I've known that and I've said that. I, it was in my text, in my prayer earlier, in my notes here. But I read that and I slowed on that. And, and I, I just felt the Spirit saying, yeah, that's something for you, Paul. Well, then something happened. And like with one of my kids, they did something and I was about to just unleash some words that I would have regretted that wouldn't have been nice and kind and uplifting. And having just read that and having already kind of memorized that, it was like, oh yeah, the words of my mouth. That's right. I was praying about that. Let the words of my mouth be pleasing and acceptable. And, and it, it kept me back, at least early this morning, uh, in that time. But, but you get my point. If you have scripture memorized, it's there when you need it. Number five, is meditating. And that's different than memorizing. Although when you memorize, you're kind of meditating. That is, you're, you're chewing on something over and over again. It's not Eastern meditation, which is about emptying. When, when God's word says to meditate on his word, when, we, when I speak of meditating, it's about filling. It's about keeping it before you. So maybe you, you say a verse, and I'll go back to Psalm 19 uh, there for a minute. Like I personalize it. Okay, God, let the words of my mouth and the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart, and I'm making it mine, and I'm, I'm personalizing passages, and I, I chew on it and keep it before me. Maybe you write it on a post-it note. Maybe you, you, you put it you know, on your phone to go off as a reminder, but you meditate on God's Word. You keep it before you. So that's your five digits, hearing, reading, studying, memorizing, meditating, and then six is applying. It, it, we're to be Hearers who do the word, not hearers only. So again, putting into practice what God has said. So maybe your challenge is one of those as you continue in the scriptures in 2021. Because here's the thing, church, he's the same. He's the same God who 2,000 years ago came in the form of Jesus of Nazareth, the second person of the triune God came in the flesh and, and, and became the God-man and, and lived and lived the perfect life we can't live. And then he went to the cross for us. He's the same. And he's the same through these stories when he rescued his people and brought them out of slavery and from this to that. He's the same God who was faithful last year through a hard year. And he'll be the same God in 2021. So because he's the same God, because he knows the end from the beginning... He says, here, I've spoken. I've breathed this out. Continue in it. Continue in it. Continue in it. And I hope you will as individuals. I hope we will as a church. It's fitting for us tonight now to come to the Lord's Supper. It's the first Sunday of the new year. And our tradition is to celebrate this, this meal on the first Sunday of the year. So I want to read from Hebrews 10. Greg is going to come and I'm going to read and then I'm just going to give each of us some space. I, I do want you to have some space to pray about 
how God wants you to continue in the scriptures. But, but let me make a connection from Hebrews 10 and these elements to that. So Hebrews 10, verses 19 to 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, but as as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day, his return, drawing near. So the writer of the Hebrews wants us to know, and I just read part here tonight, that we, we can come boldly, we can come confidently to the throne, that is, in prayer to God, because of Jesus, who's the great high priest now, the final sacrifice because of his blood, because of his flesh. So as we think about continuing in the scriptures, which are God-breathed and profitable, and they produce this thing in us so that we're ready, we're, we're competent for whatever he calls us to. The scriptures remind us that it's all possible because of Jesus. It's not about us pulling our bootstraps up and making God happy with us. In Christ, God is happy with us. In Christ, God is happy with us. And so we come to this meal. So just spend a few moments thanking him for the cross, thanking him for his faithfulness, in 2020, thanking him that he will be faithful in the new year. Maybe let him nudge you on how you're to continue in the scriptures. And then in a moment, I'll, I'll direct us. So this, this device has two sides. Uh, on my instruction, we'll eat first. So you'll open that side first. Not yet. And then we'll eat together. It's a family meal. And then on my instruction, we'll do the other side and drink. But now... You, you talk to the Lord.